0: The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of homeownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoiner.com. Jazz. 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 With Kenny Anderson. Welcome to another episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. And uh, as you can tell, I am not Kenny Anderson. I am David Person, the producer of... Of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. But Kenny is right here. And uh, I am sliding from behind the glass booth or the other side of the glass booth, uh, virtually speaking here uh, today, because uh, I'm going to interview Kenny about our very special upcoming event, Jazz in the Park Huntsville. And this is the virtual 2021 edition. Uh, so, Kenny, welcome to your own podcast. <laughs>
1: I'm glad I'm still welcome to my own podcast.
0: <laughs> as so long thank as it's you, jazz David. with Kenny Anderson, you're good. You have right. automatic access.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm I'm happy to be here today to talk about uh, all that we're going to share with the audience and uh, all the good stuff that's happening here in Huntsville and beyond.
0: Yes. So let's uh, let's start first of all with the obvious, which is uh, this year we're doing jazz in the park, Huntsville, as a uh, as a virtual event as opposed to a a live in person event, um, and and of course this normally plays out over multiple Sundays in September. Why why are we doing it this way?
1: We're doing it this way because uh, fortuitously we considered about a year and a half or so ago that we were not quite sure we would be with the pandemic at this time. And we were trying to exercise every caution that we could and also access every alternative that we might need to access. So at the same time that we were excited about perhaps planning a live event this year because we had to cancel the 2020 event, we also said, oh, hang on, by the way, we may need to do something that would be virtual because we're not real sure what's going on. Uh, And as as the evidence has shown that with this fourth wave of the Delta variant and then the impending Lambda variant and whatever else comes after that, uh, we're at a time where the numbers are escalating in terms of people who are becoming infected with this pandemic. We're at crossroads in terms of critical conversations about get vaccinated or don't get vaccinated. We've got all kinds of other politicization of this process that's taking place. We've got all kinds of internal challenges in our world that are taking place. And so we thought uh, a year ago or more that the most effective approach to moving forward with Jazz in the Park would be to exercise the greatest caution and guarantee people's safety to the extent that we could. So we took on the task of trying to do something that is certainly monumental. As you know, you've been involved in the process. So it's monumental, but we think it is the right thing to do. And we think that it's actually going to produce a, a sweet product in terms of our brand of jazz in the park, Huntsville, and that it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to not just want to see, but also be a part of.
0: Yeah, I noticed uh, here, in fact, I've got uh, on, on one of my screens here in my office, I, I see that um, only f- just a bit over 50% of the public has been vaccinated uh, across the nation. Of course, we know in Alabama, the vaccination rate is much, much lower. I think it's still 34% or something like that. Last time I saw a figure. So uh, there's a very risk, real risk out there. Yet, uh, Kenny, I do notice that, that other groups and organizations are still holding outside events and scheduling outside events. In fact, some are even scheduling uh, their events in September, uh, uh, you know, on the Sundays when Jazz in the Park would occur. When do when you see that, what do you think?
1: Well, it actually makes me feel really smart. Uh, it also makes me feel really sensitive and compassionate about a very real public health threat. It makes me think that uh, people have defined this, uh, this crisis in the ways in which they have uh, in the midst of tremendous misinformation and ongoing new information, as we learn on a regular basis. Uh, it just makes me feel comfortable that we're doing the right thing because we're not going to assume the liability of putting large groups of people in a small space and expose them to the risk of the pandemic uh, and getting infected with this variant. Um, we've been putting five to six thousand people in a park, public park in downtown Huntsville on a Sunday evening under the beautiful uh, you know, early fall skies. And it's been a wonderful experience, people sitting literally next to one another, almost on top of each other, uh, but in a very intimate space, a very, very tight, close intimate space. And as much as you may wanna control for the variables of saying that we're gonna do things to temperature check, we're gonna do things to check people's vaccination status, we're gonna do things to make sure people stay sanitized and separated, you know, you can never factor in for all of the risks that are involved. And so we did not want, we wanted to err on the side of caution, the greatest caution. So we wish those events that are going to take place, we wish them well. Uh, we, I, I hope and I pray that people stay healthy and, and safe in those experiences, but I also know people are going to experience COVID transmission in those experiences. Uh, there may be not be wholesale uh, exposures and there may not be wholesale infections, But depending on how those things are managed, uh, we may see, uh, you know, small numbers or large numbers. And I really felt like we didn't want to be a part of anything that would bring large groups of people together and expose them to this. So I'm okay. Um, I, again, wish those events well and hope they do them safely and people walk away safely. But I could not, in my own conscience, uh, as an employee of the city, um, expose large numbers of people to an event that would be, A high risk event in this state, a different state perhaps, but not this state.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, for those who are regular attendees of Jazz in the Park or have been regular attendees. I'm thinking about the the very confined space that you're talking about, Big Spring Park East downtown, which um, uh, you know I don't know what that how big that park is in terms of acreage, but I know it is a well. It is a, a a well-defined sort of square of greenery uh, th- that we're primarily talking about here. There is some spillage uh, along the sides of, uh, and up some stairs and so forth. But it's a very confined space. And, and you're right. People are, are often sitting in huge clumps and clusters that <laughs> would make it impossible really to, uh, if someone had, the virus, it would make it impossible for them not to transmit it to uh, people in in close proximity to them. I think uh, be very difficult. So yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think that's wisdom. I'm glad you made that decision, and uh, we do hope and pray that everything will work out for these other uh, organizations who are going to be hosting events, even though they're outdoors, and we know that. You know, that's a mitigating factor. There's still a danger, you know, uh, especially when you talk about thousands of people clustered together.
1: Area on the side of caution. At this point, this intersection is really the most uh, productive thing and the smartest thing to do.
0: Right. So now let's uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the details of the virtual event in a little bit, but I want to actually Uh, Take a step back and and let's let's get some people up to speed who may not even know Uh, they've been coming to jazz in the park for for a number of years, but they may not know really how this very unique and iconic event came to be. Give, Give them the background on that.
1: Yeah, so I'm the Multicultural Affairs Officer for the City of Huntsville, an office that's transitioning to the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, uh, even as we speak. And as part of my job, uh, I am tasked with creating uh, opportunities for community gatherings, community collaboration, uh, supporting various events, and more. And of course, arts, culture, and entertainment is something that I'm personally invested in and interested in, and professionally as well. And so uh, just a few years ago, I was uh, given an opportunity to meet a man named Bernard Lockhart, who was the executive director of Magic City Smooth Jazz based in Birmingham, who reached out to me and said that he was um, interested in promoting jazz and music education and more and uh, was looking for opportunities for us to work together. Well, a short time after that, he received a grant to fund three outdoor concerts in public parks. One of those parks happened to be here in Huntsville. That was Montesano Park, which is a park that for many years had hosted an event called Jazz in June with our good friend Howard Bankhead, uh, the uh, founder of that event. And so it was exciting to have an opportunity for him to come up and kind of survey the city and community and the pulse of jazz in this city because he had been doing events in Birmingham and sort of like that midpoint section across that uh, part of the state. And uh, having great success with that. So uh, we had two performers. We had the headliner that day was D Lucas, saxophonist out of Atlanta uh, who has become a good friend and also our good friend, Dave, uh, Roland Gresham, guitarist uh, extraordinaire, who has been on the scene for many, many years. And uh, it was a very successful event. I remember a guitarist Norris Jones was uh, backing the band that day and, uh, there were many other people up there. We had a small turnout, but Bernard was inspired with, by what he saw, and so was I. And we both got excited about working together and doing something significant in the city of Huntsville. And little did we know when we had a subsequent conversation, and Bernard said, man, that was a really good event. And Bernard was one of those people that was always really upbeat and, and always looking for opportunities and, and trying to leverage those things and really promote the music. He asked me this, this one question I'll never forget. He said, do you have a park in downtown Huntsville? And I said, do we? There's a park right outside my window. I work <laughs> in City Hall. And if you look right outside my eighth eight, uh, floor window, there's a huge park. It's, part, it's a part of the Big Spring Park uh, community it's the east side of the park it's a very intimate part of the park because it has large trees as Dave mentioned earlier are kind of a square rectangular space and it's got these uh, it's got a waterfall it's got a grotto it's got all this sort of I call it magical and mystical appeal to it because mm. people come down there to have picnics they they come down there to skateboard they come down there to take pictures after their prom I mean it's just a really perfect space for events. Bernard came up and took a look at that space and fell in love with it. And that's really where Jazz in the Park was born. Within three months, we had decided on an event that would be an extension of his brand that he had been promoting in Birmingham and producing in Birmingham. We invited saxophonist Steve Cole to come up on an August, late August afternoon Sunday. And we had um, an opening act by trumpeter David Jones out of Mobile. And so it was Dave Jones who opened it up, Steve Coles who shut it down. 800 people came out on a day in which it had rained that morning, and we thought we were going to get rained out at this first-time outdoor concert event, and it was a beautiful afternoon. Late August, it was probably 82 degrees outside as so the sun was setting, nice breeze blowing. It was a literally perfect day. And Bernard and I looked around and said, man, we need to do this, like, for real, And so from that point, that's how Jazz in the Park was born, because we decided and committed that we would take the back end of his months long series beginning in May. And he went from May around Memorial Day through June, July into August, and then he would take a break. He would either end the shows or he would pick up a couple in October. So September was there just kind of sitting around asking to be utilized and we said, mm. let's just take Sunday <laughs> nights in September. Let's have a concert series every Sunday night in September from six to nine. And we'll call it Jazz in the Park Huntsville, an extension of Jazz in the Park brand. And of course, the rest is history.
0: <laughs> wow. So I have to ask why jazz? Why not R&B? Why not? Pop, why not rock or country or gospel? Or, you know, why jazz or funk or hip hop? Why jazz? Looked at a few things.
1: We uh, already saw how much his brand was being embraced in the Birmingham area and that sort of central Alabama corridor, just above central Alabama. And uh, we decided that there was a niche for it in his communities, that people were asking for it. That there was a mature crowd out there who you know maybe no longer hit the clubs but you know remember being back in the day and remember (laughs) how the vibe used to flow as it did and and have become jazz aficionados and smooth jazz which is of course an extension of so many other things uh we just thought was the right brand and so we looked around in our own community realizing that there there was a little bit of a gap there too we wanted to be complementary to the music scene but we also realized that there was not a, uh, a jazz festival of that type. There were jazz events, but not a weeks, you know, a weeks long event that bought in the highest caliber performers that bought in regional and local um, opening acts and performers. And then also was absolutely free of charge. It would cost nothing to people to come except an investment in time. And so we figured that that was a good formula, a good working formula. We felt like we could attract sponsors because of that, because of the more mature crowd that we had. We thought that we would speak to an audience, that we could uh, grow because of uh, the kinds of things that we built into the process. And it was just the right thing to do. It was the right genre to pursue. Uh, It was something that we both loved. And when you love something and it's your passion, it's easy to do. And so we felt like this would be something that we could easily transfer from what he was doing in the Birmingham area up to Huntsville, and it would make good sense, especially with Huntsville growing like it was, becoming more diverse as it has become. We thought it would speak to a lot of people coming from other places who were used to going to jazz clubs and jazz festivals, and that this would be something that they could relate to.
0: And you used a word diverse that I think we should hone in on for a minute, because I'm imagining that there probably is no other genre of music that virtually will guarantee a diverse audience in terms of not just race and ethnicity, but even in terms of age, uh, and 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 if you will, social economic status. Uh, you know, the other the other genres kind of have very well-defined and limited demographics for the most part hip-hop may be an exception to that, uh, because hip-hop reaches across, uh, uh you know, certainly racial boundaries for sure. Uh, but, um, anyway, I, I think that, that diversity is a key. So, so now I have to ask you then, why is your particular office doing this? You know, wh- why why connect a jazz festival with the Office of Multicultural Affairs?
1: Because we're talking about diversity, because we're talking about inclusion, because we're talking about equity, that we're looking for ways to bring uh, events to our community that reflect the community. That means that they see things that look like things they're interested in, uh, participating in, that they they, they see things that look like they are engaging and inclusive of who they are and inviting to them and welcoming to them uh, that there's equity in that process. You know, it's sort of like when you look out over the, the sea of faces at Jazz in the Park, there's a there's a feeling of of equity, even though, like you said, you may not know socioeconomic status and more. There may be even some racial disparities that people experience on a daily basis. But you see this sort of uniform sea of faces and they have smiles on them and they have the look of enjoyment and acceptance on them to a person. And uh, it's gotten so now it's gotten so good now that it has actually become a family destination. So we're seeing more and more. You mentioned young people, but we're talking about literally people bringing their children out to the park for an afternoon of fun. And they are now able to engage in a very diverse environment and experience that for themselves and understand that that is a much healthier way to experience the world in this global society in which uh, we have so many different moving parts and so many different kinds of people and uh, genres of music and languages and uh, people being reflected in different kinds of ways. So diversity is a key component of this for me because um, we are as an office trying to promote and acknowledge things that represent the differences, the different um, um, dynamics in which people uh, come to the table here in Huntsville, experience life in Huntsville, and uh, of course, benefit from what happens in Huntsville. From a municipal government perspective, it is important for us to be able to share in that uh, quality of life experience that people have that literally represents who they are and who they aspire to be.
0: We've talked about the the, the weekly performance aspect of jazz in the park that normally happens, uh, every Sunday night in September, but there's another component to jazz in the park, uh, an educational component that I know you've been very passionate about and committed to tell, tell us about that. Explain that to us.
1: Yeah. So Bernard and I, um, we basically became partners in this whole process. Um, you know, uh, I looked to Bernard for his direction, for his wisdom. Uh, he had been at it for many more years than I had. He was in the promotion um, uh, arena. He was in the in the space of the performers. He was in the space of the marketing and publicity. And so, uh, and you know, getting sponsorship and more. And one of the things that he always shared with me was that you know, this is really bigger than a music event. This is all about really creating a culture of uh, investment in young people and the music, jazz as an art form, jazz as a cultural entity, jazz as a historically um, a significant form of music in the world. And um, he, he used to always say that, you know, I, I don't want to just do the music things, I want to also do the education things. And so it was important for him to have his performers go into the music, into the school system and do music masterclasses. And I immediately that resonated with me because I'm an educator and I'm always looking for ways to uh, connect students with real world experiences and real world opportunities and expose them to people doing the things that they either will do one day or have heard about or would like to do. And so um, we decided that whenever we invited a headliner, we would ask them to stay over an extra day or two in some instances, especially since our concerts typically begin over Labor Day weekend, to go into the school on that masterclass, meet with initially the band, but now we've narrowed it down to the jazz band because we really wanna create a pipeline of opportunity for students to connect with these performers who in many instances are traveling around the world who are, you know, huge recording artists, uh, having opportunities to learn from them in a true masterclass format, where they hear from the performer in terms of the words, but they also hear the music. They hear about the process and they hear about so much more. And so we're going to be expanding that education aspect with this particular year and this particular event that we're going to have we, we, up to now, have done it every week in September, but now we're gonna be doing it from October to May, and then a full series in September, and then the October to May series again, this time incorporating not just musicians, but producers, promoters, uh, podcasters, um, videographers, stage lighting, audio people, every aspect of the music industry that many people, you know, may be interested in or become involved in or may be engaged in at some level to help them understand how to experience success. So, you know, if you ask me about Jazz in Park as a Park uh, as an event, I'm excited about it. I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's enjoy the music. But when I get into that classroom and see those performers working with those students on a one-on-one intimate basis, There's no trade-off for that whatsoever. And those students walk away with a first-class experience that they will never forget and will have an impact on them for the rest of their lives.
0: Well, Kenny's been breaking down a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes information about the upcoming Jazz in the Park virtual event, and we're going to continue this conversation on our next episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. So make sure you don't miss that. For Kenny Anderson, I'm David Person. Until next time, keep it jazzy. Jazz with Kenny Anderson is a partnership with Jazz in the Park Huntsville and is produced by David Person for David Person Media, LLC. The theme music was written and produced by Kelvin Wooten. Damian Malone provides podcast platform management. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoiner.com.